Hey guys, welcome back to the final third. We have an amazing episode for you today. We talk all about the changes in the Champions League, all of the teams that are struggling across Europe. And we also go into a new segment where we ask Jack a bunch of trivia questions, see if he's actually good at soccer, at knowing soccer knowledge. Uh, Kind of a spoiler, he's not. Uh, If you guys want to support the podcast, give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on wherever you listen to us and tell a friend. It means the world to us that we have people listening. And so if you do that, if you follow us on Twitter at Final Third Show, it helps the podcast out so much. And yeah, that's all we got. So enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another new episode of The Final Third. You're joining us today for our news and predictions section. My name is Jack Seeprasad. I am everyone's favorite Chelsea, Atalanta, and Minnesota United fan. And he is joined today by me, AJ Tabura, everyone's neighborhood Minnesota United, West Ham, and U.S. Men's National Team fan. What else? Oh, yeah, just to go over, like, the format uh, we're going to go over the big stories, go over the, all the news and happenings of world soccer, going to the USMNT corner where we talk all about US soccer, what's going on with all the players, all the transfers there. Uh, we're going to have a special secret segment that we're going to add in before going into our predictions where we go over last week's predictions and this week's predictions. Jack, did I miss anything? No, I think we're all ready to hop on into the big stories. So, AJ, why don't you get us started with our first story? Okay, there was a lot of news with Champions Leagues. And I say Champions Leagues with an S because both the UEFA Champions League and the CONCACAF Champions League have proposed changes or have passed changes coming in in the later years. Starting off in Europe, the UEFA Champions League in 2024, is making an effort to stop the European Super League from happening. So in order to do this, they are getting rid of group stages. Uh, They'll have 36 teams instead of 32, and it's going to be all in one big league table. Each team will play 10 games instead of 6, and the big four, England, Spain, Italy, and Germany, can add teams based on historical European record. This is called a Swiss system, something that Jack and I should know, coming from debate. Uh, top eight qualify for a round of 16, with those finishing 9 through 24 go through some sort of playoff system. And this is all an effort to try to get more competitive games in. Uh, with CCL changes, this comes in in 2023, and it used to be a round of, 20, of 16 right away, but now we'll have 40 teams in eight groups of five, and we'll have regionalized group stages. There's the North American one with 17 Liga MX or MLS teams, plus three CPL teams. So that's 20 in all. And 11 will advance out of four groups of five. A top two of each group will advance, as well as the next best three. Then there's the Central American division, which four advances out of four groups of five. Top two of each group will play each other to qualify. And then there's the Caribbean side, where one advances out of two groups of five. The winners of each group play each other. And just quickly, to go over these changes and give my opinion... This consolidates power to historically powerful countries. It's advertised as a way to get the competition more competitive. Uh, Swiss system for the UCL, regionalized groups for CCL, and more teams in general. But what it actually does is it favors the more powerful teams because the round of 16 is closed off for CCL. And big four leagues can qualify teams not necessarily off of merit, which is just completely unfair and makes the entire Champions League less competitive. It's also a way to advertise getting more meaningful games. But what it does is it's add more, it adds more games so teams are more tired, and that lowers the quality overall, and it jam-packs an already jam-packed uh, schedule for a lot of these teams. Jack, what do you think about all these changes? Yeah, well, especially with the UEFA Champions League, I just want to mention this historical significance thing seems incredibly vague and seems like not a great idea does it mean like you know the fa can send blackburn rovers to uh the champions league because they won the premier league title and you know they did it with an under like uh, an underdeveloped squad and like oh that's so historically significant or does it mean like manchester united just get to go in every single year regardless of how they do yeah and it just doesn't make any sense because 
then what's the point of competing for those teams in these Champions League places? If they can just basically not do anything and say, and UEFA can be like, oh, well, you're historically significant. Well, come on in. It just doesn't seem like a good system and it kind of ruins the sporting merit of the game. If the if there's checks on that, it sounds like it could be interesting. However, without any checks, I think it's just not going to be a good system. Yeah, it's like a super league without actually calling it a super league at exactly. this point. Well, Jack, why don't you take us to a team that might be able to get in with some historical significance? Talk about Arsenal for me. Yeah, so Arsenal have had a bad week. To be to be fair to them, uh, they played with nine men at Wolves and lost two to one. And to be honest, they have a huge red card problem in the Premier League. In ever since Mikel Arteta took over, they have nine red cards, which is six Yikes. more than any other team since Arteta uh, took over as manager. In fact, David Luiz, you know, who was sent off in that game uh, controversially, and he has as many red cards by himself as the next team, which is Norwich and Fulham and a bunch of other teams tied with three. You know, so it's not looking great there. It looks like a real lack of discipline. And the reason why I say it looks like a lack of discipline is because David Luiz, I looked back at all of the Premier League records for this. In every one of his seasons with Chelsea, he was sent off once in 160 appearances. In his two seasons with Arsenal, or season and a half so far, he has been sent off three times in 46 games. So, triple the amount of red cards in a third of the games, which is not a great ratio for him. And it seems like there's just a problem with how Arsenal are organizing right now. And, you know, Burned Leno as well, who's usually a great goalkeeper, made a horrendous mistake just jumping out of the box and swatting away a ball with his hand. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's going to be really interesting to see how this is dealt with because you know it's something you really have to ch- have to fix because sometimes you can hold on and win those games where you're down to uh, ten or even nine players on the field, but it's going to become even more difficult to maintain that because you're going to have less and less depth who are able to play, and you've got to fix that if you want to if if Arsenal are going to be serious about challenging. For Europa League and Champions League, they've got to fix this. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, just to add on to the pain that, that they've faced, they lost to Aston Villa last weekend, 1-0. to zero. They haven't won since facing Southampton. That's rough. And we talk all about Arsenal later on in the prediction section with one of our guests who is an Arsenal fan. So we'll hear more about what he thinks about his struggling side. Let's move on to the States. We haven't talked about an actual MLS team in a little bit. So let's talk about FC Cincinnati, who signed a 21-year-old Brazilian striker, Brenner. His name's Brenner, just Brenner, from Sao Paulo to a designated player deal. He scored 22 goals in 38 games for the Brazilian Giants in all competitions. He's moving to Cincinnati for $15 million. Wow. And he's a strong finisher. And in the league... He's gotten a goal or an assist for every 137 minutes of play and at only 21. I mean, I haven't seen anything from him, but that seems like a pretty, pretty good deal. Uh, They also might sign Pitti Martinez, formerly of Atlanta United and currently of Al Nassar in Saudi Arabia. Even though Martinez actually went onto his, his Instagram story and literally himself denied the rumors. So Cincinnati, in the past years, have broken the goals allowed and lowest points record. And now, during this global pandemic, during the uncertainty around the MLS CBA, they're now shelling $15 million on players. Now, they have been literally, historically, the worst side in MLS. But now the question is, is like, if they bring these two players in, are they good? Are they playoff contenders? I won't answer because I don't really know. Jack, do these two players make them playoff contenders? Well, it's interesting because this striker seems like he has the potential to be one of the best in the league. And, you know, $15 million is a massive price tag for any MLS team. I know Minnesota United's record transfer is $5.5 5 So yeah. that's three times larger, but 
To be fair, it sounds like his finishing is great. And if that maintains, then Cincinnati could, you know, fix a lot of their problems up front because for all of their defensive frailties, they weren't much of a threat going forward either. That's so true. they they did need to fix that. But the, my question would be, what, is it really smart to spend $15 million up top and ignore more of the problems at the back? Because you have to imagine that this is blowing a lot of their transfer budget. Oh, and yeah, for sure. It, it's interesting because I, I would have thought that they would have prioritized the defense because, I mean, as a Minnesota United fan, I'm thankful that they took away our record of being of mm-hmm. having the worst defensive record. But still, they they should be prioritizing fixing that. So it's going to be interesting to see how this player does. For the sake of MLS, I really hope he does well, but we'll Same. see in time if it if it helps Cincinnati. All right. Well, why don't you give us an update on the Marseille situation? We talked about it last week, but give us an update. What's going on there? Yeah, well, Marseille are in more trouble, it seems. After, uh, we'll talk about their game against PSG later in this episode, but uh, Marseille have actually suspended their coach, Andre Villas-Boas, after he ha- attempted to hand in his resignation. So for con- for context on this, Villas Boas said in a press conference that he wasn't happy about the signing of on loan of Oliver Nacham from Celtic on deadline day, and said specifically that he said absolutely not to bringing him in, and so he just said he wanted to leave because he was really upset that the team that the higher ups weren't listening to him, and he even he seemed really upset about this. He said he wanted no money. He just wanted out, which shows just how dire the situation is in Marseille. And, I mean, uh, instead of letting him resign, Marseille put him on suspension and are pursuing potential sanctions and a disciplinary procedure against him, which you have to think could actually hurt his coaching career for such a young coach as well. He's, He's just over 40, and it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out because this could be a really big stain on on a record of a manager who you know just a just seven or eight years ago i think was managing chelsea so it's it's going to be very interesting to see i i mean to be honest i think marseille probably needed a change of managers anyway they had one win in nine and you know they played about as well without him as they did with him to be fair so i i think that it was probably time for a change, but I don't know. It, it it's it's tough to see this because they're a massive team in France and they have a ton of history. And to see such a calamitous destruction and of of this team over the past few months has just been horrendous to watch as someone who's a fan of of watching the French league. Yeah. Uh yeah, like you said, they're a pretty, pretty big team, so to see them like this it's 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 tough and maybe in any other given season they could be playing well enough to take down psg i mean right now we have Lille taking advantage of psg falling apart uh more or less so that could have been them so you know that's always tough but let's go over another calamitous result and that is for southampton because they lost to manchester united nine to zero and united tied the largest winning margin previously set by them 25 years ago manchester united versus ipswich town in 1995 also ended 9-0 last year leicester city versus southampton leicester city won 9-0 so manchester united has been on the beating side of two nine zeros and southampton has been on the b10 side of two nine zeros and you know it's really bad because i did some research when you lose so bad that the game has a Wikipedia page on it. Uh, Southampton previously won only one of eight games, only getting three goals out of those. They were missing several players due to injury, including uh, Vestergaard, Walcott, and Walker Peters. And obviously that's that's tough enough, losing all those first-choice players. But then they lost central midfielder Jankowicz, who was starting for the first time. They lost him to a red card in the second minute. And after that, it was all downhill. I think everyone on United had a shot at one point, maybe even De Gea, who knows? <laughs> but they had an insane amount of players get goals. 
so much so that actually equaled the record of most players to have scored for the same team in a single match with seven individual goal scorers. Wow, okay. And then Southampton also lost Bednarek later to a red card as well. And overall, like, it's impressive by Manchester United, but it really goes to show you how much that injuries have played a role in deciding which teams do well and do poorly, especially in a season that's jam-packed as this COVID-19 season. Jack, what do you think about this yep. this drubbing? Well, you've got to feel bad for Southampton. They're missing so many starters, and you know that's I, I feel really bad for Jankowitz on his debut in the Premier yeah, League. Oof. Two minutes in, he <laughs> uh, just a rush of blood to the head, and it it was all downhill. To be fair to Southampton, though, they did defend pretty well, given that they were a man down for the first twenty minutes or so. But as soon as Manchester United scored one, it, the floodgates were just open, for and sure. you know. I think one positive from Southampton that they can take away from this is at least as opposed to the other 9-0, uh, at least they were away from home and they didn't get beaten 9-0 yes. at home. So it could have been worse, although having this happen two times in you know the span of just about one year or maybe 16 months uh, is pretty bad. Although I, I still think that Southampton are going to do fine this season. Once they get those players back from injury, I think they'll do fine. But this has yeah. got to be disheartening for them. Yeah. I, I think it's also better this way because they don't have any fans at True. all in stadiums. I remember watching the game last year and just seeing some of the fans who just stayed the entire 90 minutes and they just looked like life had left their soul. I don't know how was, you could stay there. That that would feel <laughs> terrible. Yeah, I, I would leave at 4-0. Yeah. But how about we go into some real quick stories? Those are our big stories. But let's go over, you know, five or six stories that we just want to go over real quick because there's just so much to talk about. Jack, why don't you get us started with those real quick stories? Yeah, so we're going to take you down to Italy first. Uh, Lazio made a controversial decision signing Romano Mussolini the great-grandson of the fascist Italian dictator, to a professional contract. And, you know, his mom is in the parliament representing their far-right party. And it's it's really strange to see this happening because, you know, Lazio have a very bit of a controversial past <laughs> with uh, Nazism in their supporters and, yeah, uh, and their fan base. So it seems very strange that they would kind of bait this out so much, really, by signing the great grandson of a fascist dictator but i i don't i i think you know this is this is a strange decision by any standard strange or just kind of expected lazio you know when i read this i was like it couldn't have been any team other than lazio and if there's any Very lazio true. fans listening to this i don't i don't know what to say <laughs> but i do know what to say about this next story, and this is Ajax falling apart. What I'm gonna say is, that's pretty funny, because it it is it is pretty funny what's going on in Ajax in the Eredivisie because they didn't put Sebastian Allaire their their record signing. They didn't register him on the Europa League list, you know, and, and they they put this down to an administrative error. But this means that their star striker can't play in the Europa League, which I bet they'd want to win. And if not that hilarity, we also have their star goalkeeper, Onana, getting banned for 12 months due to failing a doping test back in October. That's pretty rough. And if you want more, this month, their forward, Quincy Promes, got arrested for being involved in a stabbing, which is kind of a weird phrasing, involved in a stabbing. There's only two ways you can be involved in a stabbing. You can either stab or get stabbed. So... I, I haven't really read into that, nor do I really care, but I don't know. That's kind of rough. Yeah, <laughs> rough for Ajax. For and sure. Jack, why don't you take us to another team that's kind of having a little bit of a rough patch? Yeah, well, all I can say about this is Fortress Anfield seems to be absolutely crumbling. After a three-year unbeaten streak at the Fortress, Liverpool have lost three straight home games for the first time since 1963. And they lost to Manchester City at Anfield for the first time since 2003. Yikes. They've been just incredibly inconsistent. You know, they've lost losing to Manchester City. You know, that's fine. They've been great. But they also lost to Burnley 
and bright at Anfield by one to zero margins. That's not great. And, you know, it's I, I mean, I'm no I would no longer be scared to go to Anfield if I was any other team, because it just seems to have lost all the magic as soon as Burnley, Ashley Barnes just destroyed the, the force field, I guess. And now it's just the home of Liverpool's pain, I guess. So <laughs> that that's that's really unfortunate for them. Yeah, that is pretty, pretty unfortunate. We're going to talk a little bit more about Liverpool later on in the episode in the predictions. But we're also going to talk about Liverpool right now because Liverpool got banned from entering Germany by some local uh, government authorities. They, they banned them from entering to play Leipzig in the UEFA Champions League round of 16. Just completely barred them from entering. And so they'll be playing, well, Leipzig will be playing at home in Puskas Arena in Budapest, Hungary instead. So a little bit of, of an interesting workaround. Uh, kind of sucks for Leipzig, but I mean, you know, it's COVID-19. You got to do what you got to do. Uh, additionally, we also have Tigres being the first CONCACAF team to reach the Club World Cup final. I was actually surprised because I was pretty sure that some Liga MX team has done it before, but you know, they're the first one. They, they took down uh, Copa Libertadores winner Palmeiras 1-0 uh, to, to go to the final where they'll probably meet Bayern Munich. So, you know, that, that's pretty interesting. Good for them. Should have been LAFC up there, but whatever. And then just to preview what we're going to talk about in this upcoming deep dive episode, we have the MLS collective bargaining agreement being signed. It's tentatively approved and players are going to be uh, voting on it. I think the voting ends this this night, actually, yep. to see if we're going to go ahead with the current CBA that MLS wants to approve. So if you want to hear more news about it, what it means for the league, listen to our episode coming out later this week. We also have a lot of news around red cards. And what really set this off for us is the Jean Bednarek red card appeal. You know, what's wrong with the red card rule? You know, that's the question that we're going to be asking because there's so many red cards going around, especially this week just alone. We have Suchek, Leno, Louise, Bednarek, all of varying levels of recklessness. So the question is like, what is a red card? Why are there so many red cards going on? And yeah, I mean, that's what we're going to talk about this Thursday or whenever it goes out. So if you're interested in that, go listen to that episode. But for now, we are done with those stories. You know, a lot of great stories that we dived into. So now let's go dive into the U.S. men's national team corner where we talk all about What's going on with U.S. soccer abroad? First, let's start in Turkey, where DeAndre Yedlin made his debut for Galatasaray versus Fenerbahce. He came in in the 82nd minute for the, it's a pretty good name for a rivalry. It's the Intercontinental Derby. I think it's a pretty, pretty sick name. He was able to kill the game off, and I think there's going to be more to come from him. Maybe he works his way up to being the second choice right back. That'd be pretty cool. We also have a Jack's favorite player, Josh Sargent, assisting the second goal against Greuther Fourth in the DFB Pokal. He had a really, really good cross to find Felix Agu in the 73rd minute. And just an interesting note on this, seven out of the eight quarterfinalists that remain in the DFB Pokal have either an American manager or an American player. So, yeah, Americans are taking over Germany for the second time oh, no. running, I guess. Third time, I guess. Whoa. Oh, boy. Next Staying in Germany, we have Richards making his Hoffenheim debut. Hoffenheim are going through a little bit of a center-back nightmare. A lot of them are injured, so he slotted right away, starting against Frankfurt. They eventually lost 1-3, to but he still played really well. He's the center-back of the future, so hopefully he improves, and I think he'll get a lot of good playing time with his former coach there at Hoffenheim. Next, let's go to Spain. Dest is back, and he played in a 5-3 win against Granada in Copa del Rey for Barcelona. Barcelona were down 2-0. He comes in and they win 5-3. Coincidence? I don't think so. But honestly, like with all seriousness, he's been really good at making penetrating runs up on the field, making things happen, and he's still coming off the bench for the near future as he, you know, gets back from injury. But once he gets healed up, he'll be golden. Next, we have Timothy Weah scoring for Lille in a 3-0-1 against Bordeaux. He put one away from a great assist from Orajo. He, he, really good finish from him too. What the goal really symbolized was him 
being really good at off the ball movements, which I think is one of his strengths. And this is uh, further highlighted by his amazing pass that came before the assist. So he assisted the assist, I suppose, in today's game against Nantes. And he's really coming out of his shell with Lille, their first place. You love to see it. And next we have Christian Pulisic. So Tuchel earlier this week said he wanted to play Pulisic as a false nine. You know, he's really good at pulling defenders. He's really good at his uh, movement. So maybe it does work out for Chelsea. Uh, he also didn't appear on the 18 for today's game against Sheffield. But Tuchel went out to say that it is because of some family emergency uh, that he had to leave and, you know, go do whatever he wanted to do. But before I continue, I want real quick, Jack, what do you think of Christian Pulisic as a false nine for Chelsea? I think we saw it a little bit. Um, I, I think it was against Burnley that we saw him playing in that role. And he actually did really well. He set up the he set up the goal for Alonso that killed the game off. And I, I think that it could be very fruitful for Chelsea because, you know, he's played he's played there before and he played well. I'd be interested to see how it works out in the future, especially since our strikers aren't exactly firing that well. So it'll be interesting to see. All right, yeah. Well, you know, to be fair, Timo Werner, as much as I hate to admit, two assists today, not bad, not right. bad. But another player who hasn't been very bad and hasn't been on anybody's radar is, ooh, Siabachu. I'm going to go Siabachu. He scored a hat-trick for young boys in the Swiss Super League. And he's been completely under the radar for U.S. men's national team fans because he's a dual national who is also eligible for France. But, you know, given that he's playing in the Swiss League, I don't think he's going to be called into the French national team anytime soon. And so he is leaning towards the U.S. soccer. Uh, I think it'd be a really good option for uh, a striker. I think he could really put himself into the running for striker if he continues to play well. Another person that's been under the radar is Luca Della Torre, who assisted for Heracles. Heracles? Ooh, Heracles? I'm going to try. Heracles, that sounds way better. You're right. <laughs> he scored for Heracles in the Eredivisie. And he's pretty under the radar, too. He's been assisting you know, a good amount of goals in the Eredivisie. And he's eligible for U23s. So he can go to the Olympics. That's pretty cool. Next, real quick, just to rattle these last three off, we had Richards and Eriksson being registered by their respective clubs for the Europa League uh, campaigns. So hopefully we see them. Matthew Hoppy re-signs for Schalke for the next couple of years, so maybe if they get relegated, he stays with them. That's fine. Uh, and we have the weirdest news of the week, Justin Che of FC Dallas getting loaned to Bayern with an option to buy. I don't know if we'll see him at all. Probably not. Maybe he plays for Bayern too. Kind of weird. But, you know, that is our U.S. Men's National Team corner of the week. Check again next week where we go over all the interesting things that are happening in U.S soccer and with that you know we mentioned this on the top of the episode but I, i've been kind of feeling bad that i have this entire segment and jack doesn't really have anything so we decided to give jack at least for this episode maybe in the future maybe it's a reoccurring bit that happens every other episode but now we're gonna have trivia jack if you've ever played trivia crack you know it's a, a trivia game that asks all kind of questions about you know anything going on in the world but for Trivia Jack, we ask specific soccer questions. So Jack, the way this works is I have three questions. They can okay. be true or false, matching, fill in the blank, whatever. I can give you a hint maybe. Who knows? But if you can get, let's say, two out of three, then you win this week's version of Trivia Jack. How do you okay. feel about this so okay. far? Okay, let's, let's, let's see how this goes. I'm not great at trivia, but we'll, we'll see right. if I well, can do this. Well, I, I, I think I went easier on you this this time around, just because it's the first one. The first question is a Chelsea question. All let's right, see if you can get right. this one. Number one, Jack, and let's see if I, I add like uh, some some music and editing, you know, some Jeopardy music or whatever. Name Chelsea's top three most expensive signings. You don't need to get, tell me what team you got them from or the cost. Just tell me the top three players who are the most extensive signings okay well i know one of them is keppa i know okay. one of them is kai havertz 
Okay, can you name number three? Ooh. Now that that's where it gets tougher because we've spent a lot of a lot of money on yeah. players. Uh, you got you got the first two right, but in order yeah. to get the question right, you oh, have no. to get the third one right. Um, you know, I think I could be wrong on this, but is it Alvaro Morata? Is that your final answer? I'm gonna go with it. You are correct. Oh, Great yes. job, Jack. There we go. So we had Keppa from Athletic Bilbao, 71.6 euros. Kai Havertz from Leverkusen, 71 million euros. And Morata from Madrid, 58 million euros. Or alternatively, you could have said Christian Pulisic. We, they got them from Dortmund, 58 million euros as well. Now, Jack, bonus question, not for any points okay. or anything. <laughs> With these players, how many championships have you won? Ah, thanks. Uh, thanks for that question. We won a Europa League with Kepa and Ooh, uh, and Alvaro Morata. So you know, there we go. That that's one. Uh, we we've got we got one. <laughs> okay. Well, so you're, you're now one for three. Let's see if you can you can nail this next question. And this question has to do with World Cups. Okay. Jack. For two out of three, two to ice this week's trivia, Jack. How many countries have won the World Cup? And I'm going to help you out here. It's multiple choice. Okay. Is it A, 7, B, 11, C, 8, or D, 14? Again, that's A, 7, B, 11, C, 8, and D, 14. How many countries have won the World Cup? Take your time. Okay. Well, let's see. Really I think through it. Yeah. Let's see. I'm going through all the countries that I know that have won it. So, France, yeah. Germany, um, shoot, Spain. We've got Italy, Brazil. I'm, I'm trying to think of them all. It, this is tough. <laughs> We've got Uruguay. They won the first few. Argentina's won a few. Yep. Um, who else has won? Jeez. I feel like the Netherlands is one. What are what are the options again? You're gonna you're gonna A okay. seven B eleven C eight D fourteen. There hasn't been a lot of World Cups. Yeah, I, I know, I I know. I'm trying to think. I know England's won one as well. I'm trying to think of all the countries that have won them, but uh, I already said France, of course, because I know them. Uh, you know what, we're going to go with, was 11 an option? Yes, 11 was an I'm option. I'm going to go with 11. All right, is that your final yeah, answer? Yeah, we're going to go with that. It's either 8 or 11, I'm pretty sure. All right, you said B, 11. It's actually C, 8. Oh, I was going between the, it's, the Netherlands haven't won, have they? No, they have not. Oh, I thought, I, thought I, I remembered them winning at one point, but. You thought wrong, bro. You thought wrong. How, how many teams have won, you ask? Well, there's one, Brazil, Germany, Italy, Argentina, France, Uruguay, England, and Spain. An additional six have been runners-up. That's why Netherlands you know, I put were, in 14. Ne Netherlands yeah. were runners-up, I know, a few yeah. times. Netherlands, I think Sweden, Croatia, obviously. Right. So, you know, very, very close. <sighs> 11, 11 wasn't a, a bad answer. If, if I didn't know, I'd probably say 11 because, you know, I would. Yeah. <laughs> you would think like maybe Portugal or Netherlands have won one, but right, know. right. I I thought I remembered the Netherlands winning one, but they they uh, I believe they lost in a final to Argentina back in the seventies. So what a great time! Oh great. So you're one for you're one for three oh, still. Boy. Oh boy. <laughs> this third question is is your way out. This is the only way that you can win trivia jack this week is if you get this right. This is a Champions League question. Oh boy. Oh boy. Who was the last Champions League winner not from the big five leagues? That's England. Ooh. Uh, England, Germany, Italy, France, or Spain. I'll give you a hint. And this might give it away, but I'm going to give you a hint. Jose Mourinho coached this team. Oh, it's... Then it, uh, it's got to be Porto, because I know Ajax won, uh, but that was the 90s. Porto won in 2002 to three, I think. So I'm, I'm going to go with Porto. Is that your final answer? Yes. You are correct. Oh, Jack, you won this week's version of <laughs> Trivia Jack. Yes, Porto beat Monaco three to zero at Arena of Schalke in Germany. Jose Mourinho, great job. And Jack, 
great job as well. We got you on the World Cup question. Yeah, I thought. But you know, you st- you still won. You still won. Two for three is a still respectable score. Jack, how do you feel? Pretty good. I'm, I'm disappointed in myself about that World Cup one. I tricked myself into believing the Netherlands had won. I won't make that mistake again. <laughs> okay. Well, congratulations. Next week, we're not going to go as easy. We're going to ask you something like, n- name every single French player in existence. Oh, boy. Something like that. Oh, boy. All right. <laughs> and with that, let's go on to our predictions section, where we talk about all our predictions from last week. Jack, why don't you run us through the uh, the point system? Yeah, so our point system, as always, is you get 10 points for getting the result correct and 20 points for getting the exact score correct. And you get zero points, of course, if you don't get anything correct. So starting us off with this, we had my favorite game of the week, the London Derby between Tottenham and Chelsea. This was a 0-1 game with Chelsea barely winning. Uh, It was decided by thin margins. It was an intense derby. Spurs were without Harry Kane, and it showed. Uh, The deadlock was broken at 23 minutes when Timo Werner made a goal contribution by getting fouled by a breakdancing Eric Dyer in the box. And (laughs) he he was, you know, he was either breakdancing or doing his best fidget spinner impression. And it didn't it didn't turn out well for him. So he fouled Timo Werner. Jorginho gets a penalty and throwing out his usual hop, skip and a jump. He slotted it past Lloris with power. Lloris guessed the right way, but he couldn't save it. It was a 1-0 win for Chelsea, and I've just got to say, if I if I was surprised by Jorginho's uh, change in, in uh, now how he was taking his penalty, I can't imagine how it must have felt to be Hugo Lloris. So yeah. uh, that, that had to have been interesting. I guessed a 1-2 win for, uh, for Chelsea for 10 points, so I got 10 points. AJ guessed a draw for 0 points, and Griffin got, uh, guessed a 1-3 win for Chelsea, so he gets 10 points as well. Yes. So AJ, and, why don't? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh no, yeah. I just want to mention it. Yeah, we had Griffin on the show last week, right? And so we're also including his point total in this week's. And yeah, I'll, I'll take us to Marseille versus PSG in League One. PSG win La Classique thanks to. How do you think about that pronunciation? That, that was pretty, pretty good. good huh? That was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, they won. They won the, their rivalry matchup thanks to two first half goals, a ninth minute strike by Kylian Mbappe came on the counterattack, beating Mandanda at the near post. Marseille, despite being quite good in the first half, were unlucky to find themselves down two goals when a cross from Florenzi skips off Icardi's back, just bouncing over Mandanda. And this is capping off a very disappointing performance. The fact that Marseille's Dimitri Payet, West Ham legend, one of my, literally my favorite French player, he received a red card for a reckless 90-minute challenge. Very unfortunate. But what's not unfortunate is all three of us guessed PSG to win. Jack said 0-3. Griffin said 1-3. I said 0-4. None of us got it quite right, but we all got that result correct. 10 points to all of us. Jack, why take us to Liverpool versus Manchester City? Yeah, so as was usual, this is the type of game that usually, or at least for the past few years, has decided title races. And it was at Anfield, so Liverpool would have been good to think that it would uh, it would be their advantage. And to be fair to them, after halftime, it looked destined for a stalemate. But Liverpool got a penalty earlier in the first half, and Salah converted it. But a barrage by Manchester City meant that Anfield crumbled once again, delivering three straight home defeats for Liverpool for the first time since 1963. City's goal scorers were Gundogan at a double, Phil Foden got a goal and two assists, and Raheem Sterling, the former Liverpool player, made his mark on the game as well. And mistakes from Thiago and two absolute disaster classes from Allison, where he, in one instance, gave the ball straight to Mahrez, yeah. who crossed it to Sterling, and they gifted City three points for Liverpool one, Manchester City four. I guessed a 1 1 draw. Griffin guessed a. 1-2 win for uh, Manchester City, and AJ gets the opposite. So AJ and I both get 0 points, and Griffin gets 10. Come on, Liverpool. Letting, letting me down. I, I, thought, I thought they'd keep literally the 17-year streak of not losing to Manchester City and Anfield, but apparently not. 
So let's go over another really, really, really exciting game. Napoli versus Atalanta in the Coppa Italia. Jack, take it away. Well, you said last week that whenever I predict a high-scoring game, it ends 0-0. And that trend continues once again. Uh, this was a pretty boring game, honestly. I, I watched it. Despite being at home, Napoli uh, did a Jose Mourinho and parked the bus from the beginning. They sat in and defended for the entire game, and Atalanta really couldn't find any chances. They've struggled to break down sides that sit back, and that's exactly what happened. The one notable factor is that the center back on loan from Juventus and one of Atalanta's standout performers, Christian Romero, picked up a second yellow card overall throughout the Copa Italia, meaning he will be suspended for the second leg, and I'm sure nice. Atalanta will be missing him in that game. I guessed a 2-3 win for Atalanta and uh, wow. for zero points. <laughs> Griffin guessed a 1-1 draw for 10 points, and AJ guessed a 2-1 win for Napoli for zero points. Yikes, yikes from us. Griffin's doing pretty good so far, huh? Yes, he is. He, he really smashed it this week. Yeah, he did. Let's see if he can continue with Stuttgart versus Gladbach in the DFB Pokal. Even as Stuttgart took the lead early with a goal from, oh man, <laughs> Wambangituku? Wambangituka, I think. Wambangituka. That's, how are you so good at this? Guys, Jack is way better pr pronouncing things than me. Like, I'm, I'm terrible at it. Great job, Jack. You know, let's give you like one bonus point for that. Ah, oh, sick, sick. Okay. <laughs> Despite that early goal, it wasn't enough. Gladbach scored two unanswered goals to win 2-1. There was a missed handball in the very last minute that could have led to a penalty and saved Stuttgart, but it wasn't caught. That was terrible officiating, honestly, and a terrible way for American Matarazzo and his guys to bow out. Jack guessed 1-3 for Gladbach, gets 10 points. Griffin guessed 2-3, gets 10 points. I guessed 3-2 for Stuttgart, and I got 0 points. I literally only got the PSG game correct. Jack got 3 of the games correct for 30 points. Actually, with that bonus point, let's make that 31 points. Congratulations. Oh, sick. I, I, I really appreciate that extra point there. Yeah, it really changes a lot, because Griffin didn't get any scoreline specifically correct, but got every single result correct. I don't think that's ever been done before. Ne nope, it's never happened before. Uh, really great job by, by him. Uh, we're, we're definitely going to have him on again to see if we can beat him next time. But the final scores, uh, you know, it, <laughs> we, we did not do great. But I think it's very funny that last week during the podcast, we were, we were all talking and uh, AJ said, you know, it's going to be really easy to beat Jack, but not as easy to beat me. And I think that backfired quite a bit on you this week. Yeah, whatever, whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, that's two weeks of terribleness from me in a row. I, I think my record now is 2-2, two, two, no, yeah, 2-3. Two to 1-2, lost 3. Yours are the same, 2-3. to three. And our guests, guest guessers are 1-0. to zero. That's tough. Yeah, that's tough. And now we're going to see if that trend continues because we have one of our friends, Reed, coming on to the podcast, giving his predictions. He's an Arsenal fan. So, you know, fair warning. He might be, you know, a little crazy, but, you know, we have him on. It was a great talking to him. And yeah, we also give our Super Bowl predictions. So and I know the, the fact that this is coming out on Monday or so. So the Super Bowl is going to be over. But, you know, we give our opinions and predictions on that, too. So, yeah, let's get over to that one. So now that we've heard the predictions from last week and how that all shook out, we're moving on to next week's predictions. And this week we have another guest with us. It's uh, our friend Reed here. So, uh, Reed, why don't you uh, let us know, you know, what's your story with soccer? What, what's your fandom like? And how did you get to where you are? Yeah, so first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, it's good to be here. Um, I've been playing soccer my whole life. Uh, you know, parents put you in as a little kid, and I just stuck with it. Uh, I didn't start really watching soccer, though, until I was, uh, I think it was about eighth grade when I really started. After the 2014 World Cup, I started watching club soccer the season after that. And a buddy of mine is an Arsenal fan, so I just kind of watched a few games with him and 
it just naturally became an, Ar- an Arsenal fan that way. So, and I'm originally from Atlanta, so I'm also an Atlanta United supporter. Nice, oh, nice. All the worst teams. What the yeah. heck? <laughs> no, that's good. Yeah. Well, uh, given that you're an Arsenal fan then, why don't you kick it off with uh, the prediction for the first game that we chose today? Uh, Arsenal versus Leeds United. Great. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So um, this game, uh, it's going to be a big game, big uh, mid-table clash between uh, two mid-table teams, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, it's all right. Honestly, I, I think Arsenal um, will be really strong in this game. Um, we've shown a lot of uh, good stuff recently, um, for the most part. Uh, really unlucky against uh, Wolves with those two red cards. Not great. But um, and didn't didn't really show up uh, in our last game either against uh, Villa. Although they are they are a decent side, so credit where it's due. Um, but I think I think Arsenal can uh, can beat this Leeds team for sure. They play very, uh, Leeds play very attacking, um, can leave themselves open at the back. So I, I'm thinking Arsenal can take advantage of that. And Arsenal have been pretty good defensively for the most part. Uh, one of the best defensive records, believe it or not, in the league. So uh, I'm, I'm backing my gunners to pull off a 3-0 win here. I think we can get wow, it done, whoa. get back on track. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. Jack, what do you think? Well, I think that I think this comes down to two different sides. Leeds almost never draw. They either win pretty big or they lose really big. And uh, I think it's going to be. I, I think a three-zero scoreline is actually pretty possible. It just depends on what side. Uh, <laughs> given that Arsenal's record is a little bit better, and they'll have Burnt Leno back, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to back Arsenal to pull off a. 2-1 win, so closer than what Leeds are used to, but mm-hmm. I, I think that, uh, Reed, you're right, Arsenal play really good counter-attacking wise, and Leeds play way too open at the back, and as a Chelsea mm-hmm. fan, you know, I know that during the FA Cup final, we played open from the back, and Arsenal exploited it, so mm-hmm. I think if they can do that, they'll pull off a win here. Mm. Interesting. Interesting takes. You know what? I just... I don't know if it's because I'm a West Ham fan and we're so far ahead of Arsenal that I'm just like <laughs> any team that's below us is just terrible. But I, I just, I guess I don't really see it with Arsenal and I've been watching some of their games closely the past couple of weeks. Yes, they were missing some key players that they're going to have return. Yes, that their defense is better than most teams, but I just think there's a lot of question marks coming into uh, this game with their given form and with everything that's that's going on with the club and you know like Jack said Leeds is all attack and that's kind of exciting for me I think it's going to be goals on both sides but because of that form I'm going to go with 3-2 to Leeds United all right wow. Jack well okay. you know Liverpool are struggling so let's get your take on Leicester versus Liverpool first yeah well this is a big game uh, both of them are in the Champions League places. Liverpool have a chance to go even on points with them. Uh, so Leicester sit in third. Their recent record is two, two, and one. Uh, so two wins, two draws, and one loss. Uh, or sorry, two wins, two draws, and one loss. And Liverpool have lost all three of their home games recently, but won all of their away games. Uh, so I think that might be the difference here because Liverpool are going away and Leicester's home form is not great. They do not pick up many points at the King Power. Uh, so I think that it's going to come down to home versus away form. And I'm actually going to say that Liverpool are going to win this barely. Uh, so Leicester zero, Liverpool one. All right. Well, what do you think about that, Reed? Do you think he's right? Uh, yeah, that's uh, brought up some really good points um, with form where, where each team is picking up points. Um, and both, I mean, You'd say Leicester is struggling less, but still, they, they don't. Not every game is a good game for them. Mm-hmm. Um, Vardy's been out injured, not playing um, his best. He is old, but still, you think they want a little bit more out of him. And Ianacho isn't the best backup um, when he plays. He doesn't get the goals you'd want him to get either. So, um, you know, that being said, I think uh, I think I'm going to give it a one-one draw. Okay. For these two teams. 
you know, I think uh, Liverpool will come and compete, but I think uh, Leicester will be up for the challenge. Uh, but n- neither team really showing anything recently that says either one is going to get the best of the other. Yeah, I'm going to have to really agree with that. I mean, neither of these teams are very standout the past month. But for me, I think Liverpool's struggles do continue. They've given up eight goals in the past five games. So their defense is a mess. And their attack can only cover that up so much. Like, yes, Leicester are missing Vardy, but they still have some of the pieces necessary to win. You know, like Madison's been playing very, very well, uh, even in Vardy's absence. So because of that, because of Liverpool's you know, terrible defensive record so far this year, I'm going 1-0 to Leicester City. All right. Well, this is my match of the week. This is Manchester United versus West Ham United in the FA Cup. Before I give my opinion, I do want to hear all of your guys' opinions because I guarantee you, unless you're going for West Ham, you're going to be wrong. So, Reed, what do you think about this matchup? Mm. Right, so, this one was interesting. Um, for me, I had to do a lot of thought, but uh, I, think, I think one of the struggles for West Ham is going to be the depth that they have compared to United's depth. Um, given that it's, a, it's an FA Cup game, not a Premier League game, um, they might try to rotate some of their squad a bit. Um, that's my anticipation. Uh, just based on the fact that uh, the, their current form in the Premier League is really good, West Ham. Um, they haven't seen such success um, in recent years. So I, I think they're really going to want to try to compete in um, the Premier League first and foremost, uh, try to stay where they are. Um, well, whereas uh, United, uh, they've been in these situations before um, in these later stages of tournaments. Um, they have, they've won tournaments in recent years. So, you know, I think they have more going for them. And uh, I, see them, I see them pulling out a 2-1 win against West Ham. But I, I do think it will be a close game. Okay. Well, Jack, Mr. Chelsea fan, what do you think about this? Well, before I, do, before I make this... Uh make this uh choice uh aj do you know if suchek's red card carries over into the fa cup or is he allowed to play i i believe it carries over into the fa cup i'm not actually quite sure do you know okay i uh reed are you aware of of that i'm not aware i I do know they they appealed it though yeah yeah i don't know when we'll hear back about that so that could have an impact but i'm not sure I, I think it's going to have a big impact because Suchek has been West Ham's best player, arguably. Mm-hmm. Like maybe Craig Dawson or Vladimir Sufal can come close, but mm-hmm. Suchek has been incredible. Uh, and I think if they're going to be missing him, they're going to be missing a lot of attacking power. And uh, like, uh, like Reed said, they don't have as much depth as Manchester United, but I, I think that this could go one of two ways. If Suchek is on, I think this could end in a draw, but if not, and then going on to penalties, obviously, but if, if not, I think Manchester United are going to win. And, you know, just given that Manchester United are coming off pretty recently from a nine zero win against Southampton, I'm, I know there were, there were two red cards during the game and there was a red card in the second minute. They still, they still were very good. Eninson Cavani has been incredible as well. If he plays, he's going to bag a goal or two. And I'm going to go with Manchester United at three to West Ham United two. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, sure. United won nine zero against Southampton. Sure. West Ham has the depth of a puddle, but you know what? <laughs> you know, they also lost to Sheffield United and choked a lead to Everton, both at home. True. True. They were also held goalless against Arsenal. Yep. So I don't know. It, it, it could be a, a lot more wide open. than I think you guys are giving them credit for. West Ham have some pretty good players. Antonio, Ben Rama, Suchek, if he gets that red card overturned or if that red card doesn't actually apply to the FA Cup. Uh, hashtag free my boy, because, you know, he, if he's able to play, he should be able to play in this game. And because of that, I have to back the Hammers. Two to one. I think Ben Rama gets a goal. And you know what? I'm going to say Ogbonna gets a goal. It's a, a good uh, well, okay. central defender goal. Those are my, always my favorite. Okay. Right. I mean, you know, they were also just held by Fulham, so uh, West Ham. So yeah. <laughs> I, well, I don't know. 
we don't we'll we don't have to, we don't have to talk about that i think <laughs> we'll see about i that. think fulham are better than manchester united how about that how about that wow oh Whoa. i don't actually mean Hot that but <laughs> <laughs> well i'm sick of talking about how you know west ham's gonna win you know it, it's it's just a <laughs> foregone conclusion so jack why don't you take us to italy for the first time this predictions yeah so we have napoli versus juventus uh in serie a and this is going to be an interesting one. I believe this is, uh, uh, the reverse fixture of this game has yet to be played, if I remember correctly, because of mm. a big uh, confusion about COVID-19 restrictions and lockdowns and Napoli being prevented from traveling. That being said, uh, I think that this one is going to be really interesting because both of these teams are on pretty good form. Uh, Napoli have won three and lost two, most recently losing this weekend. And Juventus have won four and lost one on a three-game winning streak as well. And honestly, because of this, Juventus are just hitting a, such a rich vein of form right now. And they're playing really well. Uh, it's all going really smoothly. Pirlo seems to have figured out something that really works for Juventus to make them a much scarier team to play against than they were just a month ago. And because of that, I'm going to say Juventus win this uh, two to zero. Okay. Uh, I, I, I think Napoli could score a goal, but, you know, I, I think Juventus's defense will be a little bit stronger. All right. Well, Reed, what do you think about this matchup? I actually uh, have the exact same score line as Jack uh, for all the same reasons. I mean, Juventus have just been playing really well recently. Um, Napoli also playing pretty well, but not as well. And they've had some hiccups along the way this season. But um, the main thing is just Juventus have just hit such a good um, run of form, like Jack said. Um, they've been very impressive, just doing everything, um, all the work on and off the ball um, in all their games. And I just I just can't see them stopping that form now. So, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I have the same scoreline, um, same result that Jack said. So I have Juventus 2-0 to Napoli, or Juventus 2-0 against Napoli. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, I'm also going to back Juventus for this game. Uh, they've been pl playing really well. Napoli have also obviously been playing really well. So I think that Juventus <laughs> isn't going to get the shutout. I don't think they're going to shut Napoli out. However, you know, we can't look past Juventus. The thing that really set it, set it towards Juventus for me is the fact that Ronaldo is in such great form. He has nine goals or assists in 2021 and i don't think he's stopping anytime soon so i'm gonna go one to three or three to one for juventus with ronaldo bagging a goal or two so next we have another uh not england matchup i guess we have way too many of those in this in this week but we have sevilla versus barcelona in the copa del rey and i'll just start this off by saying that uh, I, I just looked up the barcelona score against I don't even know who they were playing, but they were down uh, going into like the, the second half or something. Uh, I, I just know that they were down, but they were able to come back. And I think that's really highlighting how Barcelona have been in the past couple of games. I mean, they haven't lost in six. Sevilla are also playing well. They haven't lost in seven. But to me, like Barcelona, they came back uh, in the last round of the Copa del Rey to win 5-3 against Granada. They have like this really strong mentality from them uh, in these recent games. And they have just picked up form when earlier this season, it just didn't look like they'll get that. And they, they have Messi and Antoine Griezmann playing really, really well. Griezmann has 13 goal contributions in the past eight games. Like that's, that's crazy good for someone who let's be honest, was like looked as as pretty overrated in the past season. So because of that, I think Barcelona gets the job done two to one Reed, what do you think about this these, these two good teams going against each other yeah this one was a very tough um very tough uh matchup to look at um yeah i think um like you said barcelona have uh recently been very strong um mentally you could argue just based on the kind of results that they're getting coming from behind um getting scoring a lot of goals even if they're letting in a lot at the back um and Sevilla has just been very strong um, all around, which has uh, been really good to see for them. So the two really good teams um, coming face to face with each other. 
I, I do think I, I just have to back Sevilla in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it'll be a really interesting game. And I think that uh, Sevilla have just have a little bit more of a uh, so- solid game plan to them. I think they, they are more comfortable in what they're doing and they, they know what they're doing more so. Um, I think a lot of Barcelona's success has come from just the, the good players that they have being able to create um, good situations for them, which has um, been really helpful. But uh, I just have a, a game plan out, out playing um, good players in this game. And uh, I have Sevilla 2-1 to Barca. Okay. Well, that's, those are, that's a pretty uh, bold prediction. Yeah. But now I want to hear Jack, and I'm going to bet that he's going to talk about Papu Gomez. <laughs> so, Jack, why don't you take it away? You have called it. I'm, I was, I'm going to mention Papu Gomez because in his first game, he, he did score a goal. And he, you know, he is an incredible player. Uh, on Twitter last week, we uh, posted our favorite players from different countries. Argentina, my favorite player is Papu Gomez from there. I think he's an incredible talent. And I think he's going to conjure something up against Barcelona. Both of these teams have five wins in five. And I think the difference comes down to, uh, like Reed was uh, talking to you about a little bit, is that Sevilla are keeping clean sheets a lot more consistently than Barcelona. Barcelona's defense has not been great uh, in the past you know, month or two. Uh, and Sevilla have been rock solid. And in addition, Sevilla have Yusef and Nasiri, who is on just some incredible form. He's hit, I think, two hat tricks in recent games. And I think in, uh, you know, he's a really good player. And I think Sevilla are going to get past Barcelona in this game. And I think it's going to be three to one. Whoa. So I, I'm, I'm backing Papu Gomez to score one and Yusef and Nasiri to score one as well. Okay. All right. Well, those are our five games that we are predicting. Reed, what do you think? How do you feel about your predictions? Do you think you'll be able to make it two weeks in a row where the guest can take the hosts down? Oh man. Yeah. I I feel pretty good. Uh, I think I took a couple risks, um, but that's what first times are for, you know? So uh, yeah. um, But I'm excited to see how these games go. I think uh, we had some good, Good conversations, good points that we talked about. Um, but I, I feel I feel good. All right. Well, seeing as the Super Bowl is in one hour and this episode <laughs> does come up uh, afterwards, I want to hear your guys' Super Bowl predictions. You don't have to give a <laughs> scoreline, but just g- give me which team do you think is going to win? Reed, what do you, who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl? Uh, you know, honestly, I, I think um, I think the Chiefs have a more complete team. I think okay. uh, they've they've done it better um for longer um and i, I just think that uh mahomes is just going to be able to lead uh kansas city to another ring i think it's gonna be a great game though i think uh tampa bay will come out swinging but i think uh kansas city is gonna, gonna take this one all right well jack i, I we've already talked about this but i, I, <laughs> I want you to, i want you to tell the world well see i I just don't want Tom Brady to win personally because he, he knocked Fair. out my team. I'm a Packers fan personally. Mm. And so he, he knocked him out. I wasn't happy about it, but I think that this game is going to be really cool because it has the potential to be a handing down of kind of a legacy of like a, a, a really great quarterback because Tom Brady has been mm-hmm. great. And if Patrick Mahomes takes the chiefs to a second Super Bowl in as many years, you know, I think that's the start of the passing down of a great legacy. And I think I'm going to back the Chiefs to win it. Mm-hmm. I, again, more complete team. Uh, the Buccaneers, they're kind of relying on Brady quite a bit. They have some other good players, but they're really relying on Brady. And I think that I think the Chiefs and Andy Reid will lead them to it. Lame. I'm going to go. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I, I don't like Tom Brady as a person or necessarily a player. But it's just the fact that the Buccaneers, you know, they're playing at home. I think that's super interesting. That is true. And they also have two former Gophers on their team that, you know, we were able to see live. Yeah, I want to see Antoine Winfield and Tyler Johnson lift up the Super Bowl trophy. That'd be really cool. Yeah. But other than that, I don't really care who wins. I just want to see see those two Gophers win. So I'm going to go with Buccaneers. 
Yeah. All right. All right. Well, again, Reed, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. We're going to see if you can beat us. Uh, but do you have anything else to say? Um, just thanks for having me. It was, it's been fun. All right. All right. Well, thank you for being here. Yeah. All right. Again, thanks for Reed for coming on the podcast. We can't wait to get even more guests on to give their predictions and hopefully to not beat us. We, you know, Jack, we got to bring in some like some some people that don't really know much about soccer. Like we got to invite like our parents on here or something oh boy. To, to really get them to guess incorrectly. But Jack, before we sign off, do you have anything to say to our viewers? As always, make sure to check out our Twitter, Twitter at final third show. And, uh, you know, we, we've been posting there a lot and we'd love to interact with more listeners because we have a lot of fun talking about this. And, you know, in the future, we might want to try putting out some polls to get your opinions on some of the topics that we will be talking about. And it would be great to have more interaction on there because of that. Uh, also, make sure to check out our YouTube channel. You can search Final Third Show or you can check out the show notes on whatever platform you're looking at. And uh, we'll be posting some highlights and some other clips there throughout the week. All right. Well, yep. That's our time here at the final third. As always, give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on wherever you listen to us or watch us. And as always, you know, tell a friend about the podcast. You guys have no idea how much it helps. Tell your dad even. That'd also be a really big help. And Jack, why don't you say we head on out here and watch the Super Bowl? Let's do it. All right. Well, that's the final third. We'll see you same place, same time next week and this Thursday. See ya. Bye.